So you have your Shopify store set up. It looks so beautiful. Traffic lands on your site. And then what happens? Are your customers converting? I think this is something that is a constant struggle as small business owners, right? Because we are so tied to our websites and we're working so closely into it that sometimes you have to take a step back and think, okay, when a customer comes to my site and they have no idea who I am, are they going to be convinced to buy from me versus somebody else or versus dare I say, Amazon, right? Like getting that bird's eye view to your website and really looking at it objectively to figure out ways that you can prime a customer to convert the second that they land on your site. This is what today's podcast episode is all about. I sat down with Shelly Easter. She is the founder of the Shopify Design Studio Launch Party and her signature program for Etsy sellers and makers shop school. We really get into how to create an optimized site. We started talking about product pages. We talked about collection pages and then even blogs. She gave so much amazing feedback and knowledge. I literally took a ton of notes myself. So I hope you find this as valuable as I did. So let's just get into the chat. Hey friend, quick question for you. Are you feeling stuck with how to get your brand to stand out on FAIR? I'm asking you because as a buyer myself, I can tell you that there are just so many brands out there vying for the attention of these buyers, but I know that your brand has something so special and it needs to be seen. I put together a private podcast for you that goes deeper into what buyers are really looking for on the FAIR platform and how you can stand out from the crowd to grow your wholesale business and really land those dream buyers. So if this resonates with you, head to the link in the show notes for instant access. Welcome to the Buyer Side Chat podcast, where I take you inside the mindset of a buyer to help you scale your product business profitably. I'm really excited, you guys. Today, I have Shelly Easter of Launch Party and Shop School here with me today to talk all things Shopify. So welcome to the podcast, Shelly. Hi, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I have, this is like, We've been kind of going back and forth with timing and it's kind of long awaited. We finally are together and I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to chatting with you. So I'm really happy that you're here and thank you so much for spending time with me. So can you just start off by introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of a background about like how you got to where you are and your business and all of the services and cool things you do for makers today? Sure. So I started my own business... Uh, at least 10 years ago. I'm so bad with remembering how long it's been. Um, Yeah, over 10 years, because my kids are turning 10 in a couple months. And I had my business a couple years before that. Um, And even prior to that, I was kind of dabbling as a freelancer. So I've really wanted to have my own business for a long time, but I was kind of pushed into it after being laid off from my textbook design job that I didn't love. So I'm very glad that that ended up happening. It ended up working out super well. So, but my own business journey has been kind of a long winding road as I think it seems to be for most of us. And it it has always revolved around websites in some capacity. 
So I started mostly working with service-based businesses, also doing branding and other things as well. Kind of really, I would try to do anything. Um, and then over the last five years, my niche has been working with product-based businesses, working with a lot of makers, working with a lot of people that sell on Etsy and then want to sell on Shopify. So I found Shopify about five or so years ago because a client asked me and she was, she was making jewelry. She's a metalsmith. And I knew WordPress wasn't the right option for her. So I decided, let's try Shopify. I've never done it before. Like, bear with me. And I'm so, once again, I'm so glad that that happened because I dove into the world of Shopify and learning all about product-based businesses and really changed everything for my business because I absolutely love working with product-based businesses. And I'm super into Shopify. So that's what I do now. I have my design studio called Launch Party where I work one-on-one -on -one with clients to build their websites and their brands. And then I also have a course called Shop School where people can learn how to build, launch, and optimize their own Shopify store. So awesome. I think it's so interesting how we all have those key points in our journey where we can look back and say, this is what prompted me to either take the leap or to do the thing that I was maybe scared to do or didn't realize I really wanted to do. You know, it's like those things that really maybe sucked in the moment, like being laid off. Even, even if you don't love that job, you're like, uh, okay, well, I have babies at home and this is really scary, but it prompted you to do this really awesome thing. And what you do is so impactful and important for product business owners to really make money in their business. So it's such a cool thing that you're doing. And I love that you give people the ability to learn and feel empowered to run and build their own Shopify stores in addition to you offering that service. Because I think that's a really awesome thing to do for people. So I love your journey and what you're doing now. It's so cool. Yeah, thank you. I'm so happy with where I'm at and with being able to help businesses. And I love working with and like learning all the cool things that they do because product businesses come in so many different ways or things. It's just really an interesting field to be in. It's probably really cool for you too, because you don't have a product background. So you specialize in the tech side of things, the design and the, um, you know, Shopify optimization side. And then you're learning all the different creative things that the, your clients are doing. So that's probably a cool balance to have that like creative outlet for you on that side. Yeah, absolutely. So you were saying that you were like obsessed or specialized, I should say, specialized in WordPress prior to transitioning and like learning more about Shopify. Were there other platforms that you focused on more prior to transitioning to Shopify? Like I'm curious how you felt like that was the platform for you back then or for your client back then and your thoughts on it now. Because there, I feel like Shopify has really kind of risen to the top as the main e-commerce platform, but there are a lot of different platforms out there and a lot of avenues to sell your products. So I'm curious your thoughts on then versus now with Shopify. Well, I think even five years ago, Shopify was still like the top mm -hmm. for, for product-based businesses. However, it has definitely grown as online shopping has grown. Like it's gotten huge. Mm -hmm. um, but but Shopify, one thing that's really interesting about it is it powers so many huge brands that we interact with and may not realize are built on Shopify. 
Um, I love sharing the example of Kylie Cosmetics. It's a Shopify store. Pepsi is a Shopify store. Heinz Ketchup. New York Times has a Shopify store. Like just so many huge businesses have Shopify stores and have for a long time. Mm-hmm. So back when I was doing WordPress for clients, one thing that I encountered more than I wish and <laughs> I had encountered was hacks. Like our, like a client would email me like, oh my God, my site is down. Like something terrible happened. Like there's some weird spammy message happening. And that was one thing that I really didn't want to deal with anymore because I'm, de- I'm a web designer. I do web development, but I'm not like a cybersecurity expert or you know anything like that. And so dealing with all of the hacking with WordPress was really tough. That was one reason that I was happy to leave WordPress behind in terms of working with clients. I actually do still have my own WordPress site for launch party, which is manageable. Um, so that was one factor because when my client told me, you know, about five years ago that she wanted to sell jewelry, I was like, well, you really, I really don't want this to be on WordPress. Like, cause you can do WooCommerce, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about. That's free. Part of, part of WordPress, having a WordPress site itself isn't free because you of course have to have hosting and whatnot, but the actual platform itself is open source and free with WordPress.org. Shopify, you do have to pay for a plan, but it, comes with so, so much, and it's so much easier to use, particularly now, um, in the last couple of years, it's so much easier to use. At first it was like, wow, this is really tricky. (laughs) Yeah. Um, My, so Boku, I launched five and a half years ago. So six years ago is when I was working with my designer and developer to get the site ready. And I had to have a developer because there were specific things that I wanted to do because it's a gift box and it was before like the boom of gift boxes. And there were some things that I wanted to do that I was like, I don't have any idea. And Shopify did not make it really easy. But now on 2.0, I feel like so empowered to be able to make some of those quick changes like text on a page used to be a whole thing <laughs> to have that I know. <laughs> to have that done. So I mean, obviously there's a time and a place whenever you want to have a developer and or a designer come in. And also there's also a time where it's like, I don't need to pay somebody to like update copy on a page. Like that shouldn't be the case. So I totally hear you. I'm like having PTSD flashbacks from my first couple of years in business when I didn't know how to do anything on Shopify. I feel like I have come a long way. And so is the platform. And and we've all been there. It's a learning curve. And thankfully, the learning curve is not nearly as steep now with Online Store 2.0. Things are so much easier for people to do themselves and they don't all require code knowledge, which is just fantastic. I'm super thrilled by that. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So I would love to talk about like we're going into the holiday season and I'd love to just talk about specifically ways to optimize your website because at the end of the day, your website needs to do work for you, right? Like you're putting all this work into it. And if it's just sitting there and traffic isn't coming to your site, like even if traffic is coming to your site, that doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to convert. And so I'd love to get your perspective on some things that we can do to really optimize our sites going into the holiday season. I mean, this can be specific to product pages, but it can also be just your site in general. And then we can maybe dig further. Okay. Yeah. So let's start with product pages. So the first thing to keep in mind with that is 
I think we often put so much attention to the into the homepage, which I do too, especially as a designer when I'm working with my clients. I start with the homepage still, but the product page is often more visited than the homepage, particularly if you're using you know Google Shopping or if you're doing any ads or if you're just linking directly in your stories on Instagram to your product then your product page is really kind of needs to be your homepage 2.0 or something, so to speak, where you're sharing a lot more information than what you're just seeing your product details. So starting with thinking about, okay, if someone is coming to my product page directly, they haven't seen my homepage, they haven't seen like the beautiful video I have on there or like my little three icons that I always love putting on websites and often recommend. Um, they haven't seen all this content that I've put into my homepage and all the effort that I've put into my homepage. We need to bring a lot of that effort to the product page and we can repeat a lot of those same content. Um, I often will repeat it in maybe a slightly different way because it doesn't have to be verbatim, but repeat a lot of that content below the actual product info. So we've got our product carousel happening typically on the left, the media of the product, your photos, and that's something that definitely needs a lot of attention too. Photos are really number one when you visit the product page, because if the photos are bad, you know, automatically you're just like, well, <laughs> I don't trust this not website. Very enticed. <laughs> yeah. 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 So definitely put some attention to your product photos as well. Um, product videos are great. And so many people don't include product videos. And I totally understand why they're definitely much harder to do than product photos. But even just simple product videos, like what you would share on Instagram, like even just a little like, here's, this is my product. It's sitting there, you know, I set up my photo shoot and then I'm just going to do a little pan video across or something like that. Even something like that can be a great addition to your product page to have some kind of video movement happening. Okay. Let me ask you about this because I'm like, wait a second, wait a second, help me out here. So I admittedly do not have enough videos on the Boku website. It's something every collection, I'm like, I really need to figure this out and, and put it up. And I'm totally overthinking it. I know that. It's like classic Kristen <laughs> move here. But when it comes to how to format your videos, do you have any tips on how to make sure it is not too large of a file, how to upload properly so that your page speed is still really fast and like how long the video should be? Any like tips that you have about video specifically? Yeah. So I prefer to, instead of uploading a video, like directly into the product media area, which you can do, but that is going to slow down your site more than if you just put your YouTube video link or your Vimeo video link. So I prefer kind of hosting it elsewhere. And then you can just upload that or sorry, like copy and paste that link rather than uploading your video. And that's going to make it where it's not going to slow down your site. Gotcha. Um, as far as like size or compressing. I don't worry about that too much because I'm not actually hosting it on the site. So different sizes can work. You know, it can be that vertical type of video that you do have on your social, or it can be, you know, a YouTube style, more horizontal video. Anything's fine. And people do like to see those casual videos that don't even feel super polished, you know, mm. or user generated content. That's a really, really good one to try that I feel like is really underutilized. And again, I totally get why it's hard. <laughs> All these things are hard. Um, but if you want to kind of dive more into user-generated content where you're having someone else make the video, and again, it's not a professional photographer, 
or videographer. So it's casual, like, oh, I'm just sharing, I'm unboxing, I got this product. Um, those types of videos are really great too, because people are a little bit, are wanting to see more casual and like, they don't feel like this is something, like this is the experience I'm really gonna get is, is a good thing to show instead of the really polished. I love really polished lifestyle photos as well, of course, but those videos especially can be nice and casual. I feel like there's such a fine line or maybe fine line is not the right word, but it's important to have a balance between the really polished on-brand imagery and video versus user-generated content or your own just taken on your iPhone because where it's like really styled, you know, I think it's important to understand that in 2023, when we're recording this, there's been such a boom in the last three years of product businesses flooding (laughs) e-commerce. Like e-commerce has grown so much. Now there are so many brands out there. So I feel like in order to stand out, brands need to have that mix so that they can attract a customer that's going to feel like they trust you when they come to the page where it's like, okay, they're polished and put together. They have these beautiful images that don't look like they took them in their kitchen. Even if you t- did take them in your kitchen, make sure it doesn't look yeah, like you totally it. can. Because <laughs> you totally can, but you want it to look like it's polished and well edited, well lit. But then also, like exactly what you said, show them what they're actually going to get because you know, your polished images are perfectly laid out. They didn't bounce around in shipping. (laughs) So UGC content is such a great way to show people what they're getting. So I love that mix of the two. Do you think it's important to have those videos in up at the top where the product is being sold and a different type of video down below? So it's like you're getting it in two different places, like a brand video down below and product up at the top, or does it not really matter? I don't think it necessarily matters, but if you do have more videos, then yes, I would encourage you to put them in more places. So that user-generated video, if it looks nice enough, can definitely go in your product carousel up at the top, like your product media area. Mm -hmm. And then it can also be depending on the review app that you use. So that was another thing I want to mention about product page optimization. If you don't yet have a review app, definitely get one. My favorite is judge.me. I've been using that one for years and years and years and recommending it. And it has a really great free plan. And one of the ways that you can display like the product review area with judge.me and with plenty of the other Shopify review apps as well, is you can have, you know, the content, the user generated content, if that's something you're really encouraging from your customers. So that's something you'll have to consider kind of, can, can I put an insert in my package so that people are more inclined to share, you know, these, this content elsewhere um, and on my website. But yeah, having it there as well is great. And then if you do have one of those stylized, like really nice lifestyle videos, maybe you've worked with a videographer, then you can definitely put that above the review section. So below the product description and all that, if it's kind of like a general brand video, then that could go below and that would be nice to have as well. Because just you want to be having, you want to add more content think more long form sales page for your product page rather than just the short. What I so often see is just, just literally the product media and the description and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, and adding the more that you can add there, you know, there's, of course there's a limit, you know, it doesn't need to go on and on forever, but think about when you're on an Amazon, for instance, it's going on and on a really long time. And that is just helping you make the decision about that particular product. 
And even with Amazon, they're not overcoming anything with like, everyone knows who Amazon is. That's something we have to overcome with our websites as independent business owners is they don't know. So think about how long Amazon is. Your website can definitely be just as long, if not longer, your product page, because you do have to do that establishing, like, who am I? Am I a credible business to buy from? All of that. I think that's so interesting, like the comparison between Amazon versus an independent business owner. Like we're all trying to like fight against Amazon and stand out amongst them. So when you have a consumer coming to your site, you want to convince them that it's worth spending the money to ship with you, or it's worth just spending a little bit more money to get something that's higher quality, handmade, coming from, you know, a small business that supports, you know, X, Y, and Z versus Amazon when like, who knows where it's coming from. So Mm -hmm. consumers are coming to independent business owners to be convinced because most people want to shop small. It's just, it comes down to different factors. So I think that that's really interesting. I also love the, the concept of treating those product pages like landing pages. If they're coming in from Pinterest or Instagram, to your point, you need to kind of tell them about your brand. So I really love that. I think there are some ways like you can just go in right to Shopify and create a product page template that you can then apply to all your products. So you, the stuff that happens below the actual product selling itself can be the same on every single page. So you don't have to go in and manually do all of that. Is that how you'd recommend doing it? Or am I making yes. this up? <laughs> so thankfully, it's not like you have to add all of this to every single product. Mm-hmm. So it's less work than hopefully it may have sounded originally. Um, you can do this to your default product page. And I highly recommend you add like whatever's going to apply the best to all of your products. And then it's so easy now, thanks to Online Store 2.0, to make another type of product template. So let's say you sell t-shirts and you want to have a size chart on there. Always good. Of course, any kind of apparel. I like to put size charts in multiple places. I like to have like a little pop-up size chart up by the add to cart button. And then you can have a size chart in your product carousel. And then you can also have a size chart below your product area because that is a huge hurdle to overcome for people. Like, is this going to fit me? So Mm -hmm. put it in lots of places. And that's something you can do in your product template because if you also sell shoes, for instance, or maybe let's say you sell stickers as well, then you don't need to have your size chart with your stickers. And you can have a product template for your stickers that's going to show your stickers on different mediums, you know, on a laptop, on a water bottle. My kids are so into stickers for water bottles. <laughs> wow. It's a huge thing. Um, so just consider that you can also have different information showing for different product categories or even for specific individual products. Maybe you also have some kind of subscription that is definitely going to need some more information, some different information. You can have a s- specific FAQ section for your subscription that is only going to be on your subscription product template. So you can dive really deep into it, but to start with, definitely think about what can you add to your default product template because that's going to apply for all of your products. And there's some information about your brand, your brand values, etc., that are going to be important to share for every across all products. I will, I'm going to add one in since we're going into holiday. Um, I did this for holiday last year and I'm going to repeat it again this year. So I created a separate holiday specific product page for the gift boxes that were holiday specific. And I added in things like your shipping order by dates, um, things that would be like 
uh, aversions or questions that a customer might have, kind of answering them before they even start to think that it's a cause for concern. So I had a holiday specific landing page that, or um, product page template that I used for the products that were really specifically holiday gifting. So you can think about seasonality with those product pages too, to help with some of those kind of aversions that you have. So, okay. I want to talk about... I love that idea. That's a great idea. (laughs) Thank you. I'm very proud of myself. Um, (laughs) So I want to talk a little bit about moving into more of like the content that you're creating on your website. So this is a little bit more traffic specific, but optimizing some of those other content pages. I'll go specifically to blogs because I think... And as we're thinking about how Google is changing and how blogs are still important, maybe people, you don't think people are necessarily searching them and reading them the way we used to read blogs like eight years ago, but they still do a lot of legwork to get your site to populate as like a voice of authority, essentially. So I'm curious your thoughts on how to optimize blog pages and how to tie those into product pages. I know I'm kind of like throwing this one out there, but I'm just thinking about it as we're as we're just going into this new phase of Google. Like what can we be doing to really optimize our page beyond just like an actual product page? What are your thoughts? Yes. So I love when (laughs) Shopify stores have a blog. So I get asked that a lot. Like, can you actually blog on Shopify? Is it going to be a good enough blog? Yes and yes. Like definitely. I... I strongly encourage uh, people to think about what type of content they can share on their blog. And the main thing to think about first is that it's really, the blog is not really going to be for people that are already on your site shopping. The blog is really to attract those people that aren't on your site in lots of places. So on Pinterest, on Facebook, on with SEO, with just searching. Um, so think about it that way, that you're not trying to bring people over to your blog from your site if they're already shopping, but you want people to arrive there and then learn about your business and your products and sign up for your email list and all of those things. So in order to really optimize your blog, I kind of gave hints there, like definitely have your email list sign up somewhere that's going to be pretty prominent, not going to be immediate because that will be a negative with um, both Google and Pinterest, if it's just immediate pop-up type thing, but have some kind of integrated email signup form that's fairly prominent on your blog post. You can do that with your blog template. Um, And then there are themes and there are also apps that can do this where you can link products to in your blog posts. So you can feature certain products and it will actually show like the product image and like a button to go see the product. Of course, you can have like text links regardless. But having those kind of integrated products into your blog post is really great as well for trying to really leverage that someone coming to your site from Pinterest. And then you also just have to think about what's actually going to be helpful. And this is everything, you know, like this is kind of what it all boils down to. Like, what does my customer really want? What are they interested in? What are their concerns? What are their problems? How can I help? So coming back to that really basic marketing tactic and is how to build the blog around like, what, what do they need? What are they looking for? There's so many different tools to find out, to, to dive into that, as well as just talking to your customers um, and asking them what they're searching for and what they're interested in and trying to build your blog around that. Those are really amazing tips. And I, 
I think it's really important to remember what you just said. So I'm just going to reiterate this. The purpose of your blog is to bring new eyeballs into your site and to really serve your customer. It's not necessarily a place to be like, it's on a sales page. It's an educational, informative place. Now you can talk about your products and you can link out to them. But what I think is so interesting, there are brands that do it really well. I think Primally Pure is a really good example of a brand that does it so well. They have what I call sticky content. And so their blogs are all kind of evolving and all like lead into one another. So they'll have a blog post about the five steps to the perfect at-home facial. They'll link product throughout it. They're giving you education. They're maybe having some video or like, you know, little tips and tricks the whole way throughout. And then they'll have another blog that is about the top five face serums to have at home. And they're going to link back to how to do that facial. And then the next one is going to be, you know, it goes on like food to eat to have your best skin. And then it's going to link back to the, you know, it's, it's all sticky. It's all talking to one another. It's all tying into what their customer is really looking for. And side note, they're talking about their product. <laughs> so I think that like there's ways to leverage your blog for that. And I really, I'm curious, you had said that there are apps that you can integrate into your blog. I'm curious if there are any that come to mind um, that you like to to recommend to your clients. Hmm. I can't think of what they're called. Okay. Um, because what when I have worked with my clients on this, we just build it into the theme, Got like it. development okay. wise. Yeah. But there are themes and I, I can't can't remember the names of the themes Don't worry. Either, I'll get some. Whenever the episode comes out, I'll drop some <laughs> options into the show notes. Because um, I'm curious myself because I do not have that on my site. So I would like to add something like that in there. Do you think... Let me ask you this. Do you think when it comes to blogs, when you're putting product in there, do you want to be cautious about what what product or how you're linking the product if you have a seasonal business. So you don't have your, you're not a maker with a core line. I'm talking more like boutique owners that maybe have a revolving collection coming in. Is it important to just have a static image and then link to a collection or is it best to link to the specific product? No, in that case, I would link to like a new arrivals collection mm-hmm. or a bestsellers, like whatever's going to be where you actually have products. So I definitely wouldn't want it to be where you're clicking on the product, like the person made it to to click on the product and then they can't buy. Um, Or sometimes that can work as long as if your product is out of stock, you're going to be restocking and you have a restock form. So if that's you and you don't have restock forms, definitely do like add an app, like restock alerts so that some themes also have this ability to built in um, so that people can sign up for that. But ideally you're not sharing that product widely in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a similar concept to Pinterest. You know, you want to be caught like cognizant of what products you're pinning because they might not be there and you don't want a 404 to pop up. Um, So my last question for you, so you brought, you brought up collections. So I just want to talk about that a little bit more. Do you have any like top tips on how to really optimize collection landing pages so that they are like the best foot forward. And is it similar to product pages? It might be. So I'm just going to throw it out there. No. Okay. Tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you shook so your head co- and I'm like, nope, that's not the right answer. Okay. <laughs> this is why I have you on. The, so the collection pages, the collection template, 
Those are really different than the product template. We don't want people just scrolling forever necessarily. The goal on the, on the collection template is we want people to find a product and then go to the product page. So I don't like using um, big banners across the top of collection templates, which most themes have. They do look nice, but I would rather get it right into the products. So I like having the title of the collection up top, then have your actual product grid. So that's the products that are in your collections. Then what I love doing, and this is kind of recent, I think I did this first on a site last year, is having the collection description below. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't use the collection description area. I highly recommend that you do, mostly for SEO purposes. So making sure that your keywords are really integrated, the type of things that you sell and expanding on that so that Google knows that this is the collection that's going to serve up what those people are looking for. But then I don't like having that at the top because it will take up a fair amount of space and I want to get right to the product grid. So that's when I started putting that on the bottom. And that's really all that I like having in the add a collections template. So a lot simpler, but with the key component of having your collection description at the bottom. I think that that's such good advice. I think I'm trying to think of a brand, um, Pottery Barn or Bath and Body Works, like some of the bigger corporate retail companies, if you check out their collection pages, they have exactly what you were just talking about with lengthy copy down below all the products. And usually they put it in smaller font because people it's not really for the customer. It's more for Google <laughs> to know, mm-hmm. like you said, that they're serving up what the customer is actually looking for. So if you take a look at those, that's a good example. I don't know how many words that they use, but it looks like it's like 500 words. They're pretty lengthy in a they lot of cases. Yeah. I don't know what the right answer is, but... I'll also add, and I forgot to mention filtering. So really considering if you have a fair amount of products and I'd say if it's going to be like more than two pages worth of collection products that you're going to, then consider what kind of filtering you can do to make it even easier for your customers to find. You can expand your filtering by using meta fields, which I know sounds really overly technical, but it's actually pretty easy to do basically like adding a new field to your product area, let's say color, because that's a really easy one. Um, You can add a color field that's going to be in your product area. And then on your collection description, on your collection template, you can have a filter where people can filter by color and by type and price and, you know, all sorts of different things. So thinking about your filter, if you have a fair amount of products is also really important for just usability. And I will, I think that that's, great advice. And the thing I'm going to add on to that is when you're... Let's use color as the example, because that's what you were just referencing. Don't put in the color that you have named it. You don't want a million different shades of something because the, the customer doesn't really care about that. They're looking for red, pink. They're looking for color families or something that's not so nuanced and specific. You might have this beautiful marigold color for your collection, but the customer is not typing in... More than likely, they're not typing in like marigold sun dress. You know, they're looking for yellow dresses and they're, they want to see a range of yellows. So kind of group them together to, so that you don't have a million filters and so that they are actually what the customer is looking for. That's just another little tip because I find that a lot with clients that I work with on the coaching side when we kind of clean up their site a little bit. I'm like, think about what your customer or your buyer is really looking for and then use that as your lens. Totally agree with that. 
So I feel like we covered so much. I was like, come on, we're just going to talk about Shopify. And then we just launched into all (laughs) the things, but there's so much you can do to optimize your site. And I appreciate you giving me your insights. I don't know if you have any other tips or things that you recommend that we didn't cover um, that you want to pop in here. Yeah, sure. So last thing, and this is kind of in the vein of how you have a holiday product template. I do recommend using different apps during the holidays. So I think that's something we kind of feel like if we add an app, we're just going to have it on our store forever. Um, But you can kind of just utilize them or deploy them in certain times of year. So some apps that are really nice, or at least one app that's nice is a gifting app where you can like choose to ship to a gift address like more easily. Also same with gift cards. There's multiple gift card apps that basically just elevate the gift card experience that Shopify has by default. So if there's certain things like that, think about using an app over, you know, the last two months of the year just to make your store convert better and be easier to use for your customers. And then you can remove it after if you no longer need it. But there's lots of different things. Wishlist app as well um, that can just help over the holiday season make more sales. That's amazing. That's really good advice. I think it's so important to think about your the seasonality of your shop and when you see those peaks and when customers are coming to you, like what would make it easier for them to convert? So something like a wish list is such a cool app. I've never really thought about that app. So I'm definitely going to be looking into that. But you know, gifting is obviously like I, my website is primed for gifting because I'm a gifting company, but (laughs) so many of you, the listening are not gifting companies or brands and, but your product can be giftable. So like there's other apps like bundling, like thinking about how you can make your, your product more gift friendly. And those, these apps are really amazing. So I'm going to make a whole I'm going to go back and look at the transcript or listen again and make a whole list of apps that you recommended to put in the show notes because I think this will just be super helpful. I took some notes for myself too. I'm going to get that. My blogs need a little uh, TLC. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to be doing. Do. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of work. <laughs> How much? There's so many things. There's all the things. Um, yes. So tell everybody how they can find you and how they can work with you either on your services or in shop school because you just have so many great ways that people can connect with you. Sure. So one-on-one, if you want to work with me, uh, that's at launchparty.live, my website for my e-commerce studio. If you're interested in shop school, you can go to shopschool.live and learn more there. And then I also have a free monthly series that I do called Launch Lab. So that's at launchparty.live slash launch.live dash lab. And that's free. And I do a new topic every month where I just talk about something that's going to help your business. So this month we're doing traffic. We've done email marketing. We've done Etsy versus Shopify. We've done Shopify versus all the other platforms. So there's just a wide range of topics and we do a free live training and you can definitely join us there. All right. I'm going to put all of your links in the show notes so people can come find you. So many great resources. And thank you for all the tips. This was really, really awesome. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for spending some time with me today. If you are loving the show, I would be so beyond grateful if you would rate and review the podcast and share it with one of your biz besties to help spread the word. I hope that you absolutely crush your sales this week. I'll be back to chat with you next Monday.